Good evening. How guy. are you tonight? I love this guy. Mic away from him. Good. <laughs> Just kidding, Jim. Glad you're here too. We have one question this evening. No, we have two questions, but they're on one sheet of paper. We are told that there are about 3,500 promises in the Bible, and we can claim any of them. Is this true? No. There are much more than 3,500 promises in the Bible, and you can claim all of those. Okay? Um, Number two, it says, Your presentation of God's unconditional love is awesome, but besides accepting... Carefully, listen to this question. Besides accepting Jesus as our Savior, what else do we need to do to be saved? Well, that's a loaded question. Let me return back to our thesis. Remember in the beginning, how we behave is determined by how we Feel, restore my hope. Feel, how we feel is determined by how we think. And how we think and feel is determined by how we... What term? What determines how we see? We didn't cover that, did we? What you choose to believe... This is why I say salvation is by faith in Christ alone. I do not mean by that, that it won't change the way you see, it won't change your thinking, it won't change your feeling, it won't change your behavior. Those things will follow in its train. Are you hearing me today? The only thing you need... To experience the salvation that Jesus came to give you is to believe the good news that Jesus came to preach. Are you hearing me? Does that mean that you can just mentally assent to it and go on your merry way? No, we're talking about a belief where you don't go in and change your behavior afterwards because you can't just be saved by faith only. You got to have works too. Have you noticed that gospel going around? This is a belief that changes the way you see God. Have you been tasting a little bit of that in this session, in this series? It changes the way you see Him, and so therefore you think towards Him differently, you feel towards Him differently, you start making different decisions, and your whole life radically changes. But would it be fair to say, well, you need to believe and see, believe and think and feel differently, believe and behave? Would it be fair to say that? No. All you need to say is you need to experience genuine what? Faith. Because if this is here, all the rest will what? Follow. Turn with me to Galatians 5, 6, and then we'll be done. This is what Paul tried to teach them in Galatians 5, 6. You see, in Galatia, the Jews were upset because Paul was meddling with what? The law. And what aspect of the law? This was one... Those of you who were here last night, this is one of the reasons, one of the ways we know that the New Testament Christians were keeping the Sabbath. Because we don't hear anything about it. 
If Paul had kept come in and said the Sabbath was no longer uh, something that needed that was important to be celebrated, do you think we would have heard about it from the Jewish believers of that day? Do you think they would have been an uproar? Yes, but instead he wasn't he wasn't doing away with that. He was talking about circumcision. And did we hear about that? Yes. And to the Jew, what was circumcision? It was it was the mark whereby which someone was distinguished between being saved or what? Lost. It was the highest form of what we would call works in our culture today. And it's interesting. Paul comes up in Galatians 5 verse 6 and he says, listen, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision. What does he mean by that? All of the what? All of the all the behaviors, all the works that you could possibly do. Nor what? Or the lack of works that you could possibly do all of these circumcision or uncircumcision it has it has how much value no value it's not of any value in christ it says the only thing that counts oh that's interesting how much counts how much does he give a big list here he says the only thing that counts is what A faith that's expressing itself in what? Love. What kind of faith is that? That's a faith that changes the way you see, isn't it? Changes the way you think. Changes the way you feel. And changes the way you behave. Are you with me? You see, people for centuries have argued. Well, are you saved by faith or are you saved by works? And some well-meaning fool thought they could come up with an answer and said both. You're saved by faith plus works. That's just a hybrid. We're saved by a faith which works. Do you understand the difference? And how does it work? It's a faith which works by love. When you believe that God is the type of being that Jesus said he was. The clearest example that I can give you of this kind of faith is what Mary Magdalene experienced. Do you remember her story? Some of you were here a month ago when I shared her story. She encountered God's love like she'd never experienced it before. Did it change the way she saw God and everyone else and herself? Did it change the way she thought about herself and God? Did it change the way she felt towards God? Did it change her life entirely? And Jesus looked at her and he said, go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Powerful statement, isn't it? Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. And so in answer to this question. Besides accepting Jesus as our Savior, what else do we need to do to be saved? I would say this. The Bible doesn't even use the word accept. It uses the word faith. What the Bible says is only one thing matters. Faith which works by love. Let's pray and then we'll begin. 
Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for your presence with us through this series so far. Certainly we have felt you here. Come with us again tonight. Open our minds. Open our hearts. Help us to see you correctly. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Take your handouts with me. Many of you turned in a card last night that said you would like to start celebrating the Sabbath. Not just observing it, celebrating it. And I want to point us back to a text we looked at last night, but we're only going to look at it very briefly. It's Nehemiah chapter 8. Follow it with me. It says, Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is what? Now, I am fully aware that this is not referring to the Sabbath, but I want you to understand this. Is the Sabbath a holy day? Did we learn that last night? What I want you to gain from this is how the Bible says any holy day is to be kept. It says the day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not what? Mourn or weep. What does that give us a hint to? What's the nature of it? So to be happy. It says, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go, eat of the what? The fat. Drink of the what? The sweet. And send portions to him who has nothing prepared. Why? For this day is what? This is the key. What was the reason why they were to celebrate by eating the fat and drinking the sweet? What was the reason? Because this is a holy day. Now, when I was growing up, holy days meant. Thanks, Greg. That's the easiest way to say it. You slept through it. But notice. (laughs) Go eat of the fat. Drink of the sweet. This day is holy. Do not be grieved. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went away to what? To eat and to what? To drink and to what? Send portions and to celebrate a great what? Festival. It's amazing tomorrow. I just did a series similar to this in in Colorado. And it was amazing at the luncheon in the afternoon. We're going to have lunch tomorrow. I don't want anybody to be watching what anybody else picks up off the dessert table tomorrow. You hear me? Everybody has full permission tomorrow to eat from the dessert table because tomorrow is a day where we're to eat of the fat and drink of the sweet and celebrate what God did for us 2,000 years ago. Amen? So nobody be looking what anyone else is eating. Tomorrow's the free day. If you're on a diet, even you, you need even one day on a diet where you can eat anything you want. Oh, put it in the question and answer box. All the people went away to eat, to drink, and send portions to celebrate a great festival because they understood the words that were made known to them. I am not saying that what what we do with this day is an example. I'm just giving it to you to spark some ideas. You see, my family and I believe that the Sabbath is a day that needs to be celebrated. And we do so, we believe that way, based on the reasons we covered last night. And this is how it works. On Friday evening, as the sun's setting, my wife and I, we wrap up whatever we're doing and we finish up our work. Why do we do that? We do that in honor of him who 2,000 years ago, at that very same moment, was saying, it is what? Finished. And then we enter into the Sabbath. We have a huge meal Huge meal Friday night. You know, before I was a Christian, 
When I was a heathen, the best night of the week was which night? Friday night. And you know what? The Christian has more reason to celebrate Friday night than any other person on the planet. Do you know why? Because that's the night their Savior died for them. And so we have a big meal. We have two candles on the table. We light one for the time that God rested from His finished work at creation. And we light the other to remember God's finished work at redemption. And then we go around the table. There's only two things we still have from Eden. Two things. There's only two things we have left from, the, from before the fall. Do you know what those are? The marriage and the Sabbath. And we, we like to combine those two in our family. We'll go around the table and my wife will pick out and I will pick out our children. And this may be a novel thought, but we actually spend time telling our kids what we like about them that evening. All week long, it's been what? Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. All week long. On one night of the week, we're going to sit our kids down and not tell them not to do anything. We're going to tell them why we love them and what we like about them. We're going to strengthen those bonds of family. And then my wife and I look at each other and we tell each other what we like about each other in front of the kids. Because all week long, Satan has tried his best to tear apart families all over this planet, has he not? And we're going to strengthen those bonds at least once a week in front of our kids. Our kids need to know that their mom and dad love each other and nothing's ever going to change that. So we strengthen that. We have this big meal, great dessert, eating the fat, drinking the sweet, the whole nine yards. And then we we get done and my wife is a massage therapist. Don't get any ideas. The cobbler's wife has no shoes and the doctor's wife dies of a common cold. Do you understand what those mean? So (laughs) we all get around and we exchange back rubs. And this is how it works. The newborn, he's too small. He just kind of sits there and I don't think he really knows what's going on. But my wife, she'll massage my 11-year-old shoulders. I'll massage my wife's shoulders. My 11-year-old will massage the 6-year-old's shoulders. And the 6-year-old massages, you got it, my shoulders. Somehow I get the fuzzy end of the lollipop. But she really, she thinks she's doing something. And so I don't want to burst her bubble. But we sit around there and, and we've had a great time. And then we sing together. And we have a little bit of a worship. And there's just high time of celebration. And then we, and then we go to bed and... We're not a rich family. We can't afford to do this every weekend. But one Sabbath a month, one Sabbath a month, you can wake up early in my home and you can hear my kids racing down the stairs. Actually, they don't run down the stairs anymore. They've learned that the banister takes them a lot faster. And so they'll jump on the banister. And I know some of you don't permit that in your home. My home is a 24-hour, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week party. We only stop to beat the children. But... Just kidding. That's a joke. <clears throat> Never mind. They don't. We have coal mines. It would, it would loosen you guys up a great deal to have one. Um, it, they, they come down the banister. They run down into the living room and they're sitting waiting for them. Why do kids like Christmas? 
their Sabbath morning is their Sabbath presence. And they open them up. And they're so excited. And they're not socks and underwear. They're real gifts that they would enjoy. And then we go to church. Still convinced, trying to convince my local church to meet at 3 at the afternoon instead of 9.30 in the morning. I think that'd be cool, don't you? My generation thinks that would be cool. But we, we go to church. We come home. We eat some leftovers from Friday night. And some of you think leftovers? Saturday afternoon, leftovers? Anybody ever complained about eating Thanksgiving leftovers? You wouldn't complain about eating Friday night leftovers in my house then either. So we have leftovers. Then we go and we do some type of activity in the afternoon where we can just enjoy it, enjoy the day, something that's fun for the kids. And then we come back together in the evening as the Sabbath's closing. And I'll explain all this in a moment. But we come back together in the evening and not everything in the way that the Jewish people have celebrated the Sabbath has always been beneficial. But I have a friend who's Jewish and one time I was with him on the Sabbath and as the Sabbath closed, the Jews have a tradition in the closing moments of the Sabbath, they take a little box filled with incense. Do you know what I'm talking about? And they pass it around, they call it, well, I guess you and I would call it potpourri or something like that, but they pass it around and they all just kind of smell it and then they pass it to the next person. And I sat there and I thought, what on earth are these guys doing? You're nuts. They said, here, you smell. And I smelt it. And to be honest, it didn't, didn't do anything for me. But I asked them, I said, why on earth do you do that? You know what their answer was? This is a day to celebrate. They said, we have seen good things this day. We have tasted good things this day. We have heard good things this day. We have felt good things this day. We want to make sure that before this day ends, all five of our senses have experienced some type of pleasure in the Lord. And so before it closes, we and we hope that the aroma of the Sabbath will carry us through the week until the next one. And I thought, how beautiful. And so we took our kids down to Dillard's. Do you guys have Dillard's out here? Macy's? What do they call them? Okay. And we let them pick one perfume, anything they wanted, but a small bottle. And they can only use it once a week. They pull it out on Sabbath evening and we pass them around and we smell just how good they smell. That means a lot to me because, you know, out of all my five senses, do you have one five cents? One of the five senses that you cherish the most. Anybody here like things that really look good? Anybody like things when they look good? Yeah. When they just look sharp. How about when things uh, um, taste good? Anybody here like it when things taste good? What about things that sound good? You're really into things that when you hear a song and it's just a, you know, it's like a perfect sphere. Nothing's sticking out. Nothing's, it's just, wow, it's beautiful. You like things that feel good? Are you into textures? My favorite sense is the sense of smell. And I'm just being honest. When something smells bad, I am like a three-year-old that has to use the bathroom. Nothing else matters. It's just, where is that coming from? Somebody make it go away. Are you with me? But when something smells good, I am on cloud nine. I can't wait to get to heaven. When I get there, 
the first time I'm being hugged by God. Have you ever thought about that? What it's going to be like the first time his arms are around you? The first time I am in our God's embrace. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lean my face over to his chest and I'm going to go, because he's got to smell good, doesn't he? I mean, think about it. He's going to smell good. And so we do that. Now, those are just some ideas of how my family celebrates the Sabbath. There's nothing special about it. The Bible doesn't tell us how to celebrate it. The Bible only tells us to celebrate it. And so hear me. If all you can afford is to go down to the dollar store and buy some plastic flowers and put them in a vase and put them under the counter until Friday evening, and all you do is pull them out and put them on the middle of the table for 24 hours. If that's all you can afford to do, will you at least do that to make the day special, to set it apart, to say, I am celebrating something on this day. It doesn't tell you how to do it. It just says, do it. Do something that celebrates this day, that sets it apart. In Colossians 2, I want to look at some of these these uh, objections that people have today to the Sabbath. Colossians 2 is one of them. It says, do not act as your judge. Do, it says, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a what? Now, it all depends on whether you know the background of what was happening in the Colossian church. Some people assume that what was happening in the Galatian church was also happening in the Colossian church. What was happening in the Galatian church was Paul said we're saved by faith alone and the Jews were coming in saying, no, you need to be circumcised too. Do you remember that story? Are you with me? And so there was this big to do about Judaizers coming in trying to add things to the requirements for salvation. That's not what was happening in Colossia. Some people think so. Some people think, well, the Jews were coming in and trying to get them to celebrate the Sabbath. And, 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 and Paul said, listen, don't let them judge you over this. But is that really what was happening? Let me tell you how you can know this. Look at the rest of it. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in, what's that word? Circle that. Self-abasement, number one. And the, what's the next one? Worship of angels, number two. Circle that. Taking his stand on visions he has seen. Circle that. Inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head from which the entire body grows with the growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, Why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, circle that, do not taste, circle that, do not touch, circle that, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings. What are those last two words of men? Circle that. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in what? Self-made what? Circle that. And what? Self-abasement. Circle that. And the severe treatment of the body. Circle that. But are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Look at everything you just circled. Take in the whole picture. 
This was not Judaism coming in. Did the Jews ever worship angels? No. Were these man-made commandments or did the Jews follow God-given commandments? Was it self-made religion or God-made religion of what the Jews were following? God made, God initiated. Well, what was going on in the Colossian church? Do you remember I shared it with you last night? It was the early apostolic Gnosticism. Early Gnostics. And what did Gnostics believe? Do you remember from last night? They believed that the soul was what? Do you remember? Yeah, it was holy. And the body was what? Evil. And the way you saved your soul was by persecuting the body. It was the roots of early Gnosticism that shaped much of monasticism in the, in the dark ages. Remember how the monks used to flog their bodies trying to save their souls? And so they would come in and they would say, don't, don't enjoy any type of sensory pleasure. Do not handle. Do not touch. Do not taste. Take no enjoyment in the senses. You need to afflict the body. Severe treatment of the body so that your soul can be liberated. What was happening was these Colossians, they were, they, what, what happened for them every time the Sabbath came around? What were they doing according to Nehemiah? What would they have been doing? If that's the way you celebrate holy days, what would they have been doing? Celebrating how? No. How? No. Eating the fat. Drinking the sweet. Isn't that how you would have been doing it if you were following Nehemiah's model of what holy days were about? Are you with me tonight? They would have been eating the fat, drinking the sweet. And what would the Gnostics have said to that? Don't do it. You need to be severely treating your body, not enjoying yourself at the dessert table. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's why Paul said, don't let them judge you in regard to what you eat or drink or your festivals, your new moons or your Sabbaths. Don't let them judge you. Colossians 2 doesn't prove they weren't keeping the Sabbath. Colossians 2 proves that they what? They were. And 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 3, people will say, well, this, you can see it right here. Concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed to the churches of Galatia, so do you also on the first day of every week. Each one of you is to put aside and what? Save as he may prosper so that no collections will be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Some people will say, see, there were collections being taken up on which day of the week? And what do, what do they read into this? Well, the Corinthians must have been in church because they were taking up collections. You are reading an awful lot into this verse without finding out your history. When did Christians start celebrating on, on the first day of the week? 364 A.D. Remember we covered that last night. Was this 364 A.D.? This was long before that. Then why does it say this? Look over in the gray section. It's actually gray tonight. Did you notice that? Kinko's stepped up a little bit. It says in Acts 11, 28, one of them, one of them named Agabus stood up. He began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. 
And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Ware. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. What was happening? A great famine. This was not a weekly collection being taken up between the pews. That whole system of taking up offerings in church didn't come in until way into the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages. That's not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it wasn't around in Colossia okay, or in Corinthians. What was happening is there was a famine and they thought we need to be sending some money to Judea to help the brethren there because the church in Corinthian was rather well off. And so once a week, on which day of the week would they put money aside? Why would they put it aside at the beginning of the week? Anybody here ever budget? What do you do with your money when you budget? How do you budget? Do you spend it all and just hope you got something left to give to God? Or hope you got something left to give to your favorite charity or someone you want to help? If you want to do that, if you want to make sure you've got it, when do you pull it out? After you've spent everything and open it's there? In the very first, the beginning of the week, they'd pull it aside and they would collect it so that no collections would be made when Paul showed up. It would just be ready for him to pick up and take with him. Does this verse state that they were worshiping on the first day of the week? No. Look at Acts 20, verse 7. Some will use this. It says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to what? Break bread. People say, see, see, see. They were there in church having communion, breaking bread. Look at the next verse, Acts 2.46. What does it mean to break bread? Don't read your own culture into it. Let the Bible define it. Acts 2.46, it says, And they, continuing daily, how often? With one accord in the temple and, what does it say? Breaking bread from house to house. Number one, how often did they do it? Daily. And where did they do it? From House to, what does it mean to break bread then? It means to eat. Do you do that daily from house to house? And the, and the disciples were doing that in one accord. Well, here it was on the first day of the week when they had gotten together to eat. It was dinner time. How do we know it was dinner time? Notice what it says. Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. And he prolonged his message until when? Until midnight. They had gotten together to break bread. And it was evening because he kept on speaking to them in their dinner time until when? Until midnight. And some will say, well, yeah, well, they were there. Yeah, but why were they there? To have church? Why were they there? They were saying goodbye. They were there to eat together. To say goodbye to Paul. Acts 28 through 11, let's continue. It says there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. What does that tell you about the time of day? Daytime or evening? And there sat in a window a certain young man named what? Being fallen into a deep sleep. He fell, sorry, into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him and said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. 
When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten, he talked a long while, even till when? Aren't you glad I don't preach like Paul? You thought I was last night. And it says, so he what? Departed. Hear me, they were just getting together Sunday evening to eat a meal together and to say goodbye to Paul. Does this verse say that they were going to church on that day and celebrate and, and keeping that day holy? How do we know that? Well, first, it doesn't say it. Number two, history backs it up. When did Sunday keeping or worship on the first day of the week enter in? 364, when? 364, when? AD. Romans 14 is the last verse we'll look at on this subject. It says, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or what? False. He will stand and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards, please pay close attention to what this is saying. One day above another. Another regards every day what? So what's the issue here? Was it Saturday versus Sunday? Was that the issue? Because this issue didn't exist at that, the point that this was written yet in, Christ, in the Christian church. What's the issue? One person says one day is what? It's holy. The other person says what? Everybody, every, all the days are what? Alike. What you have is a person who celebrates one day versus a person who celebrates how many? None. Are you with me? He celebrates none. One person celebrates how many? One. Is this an issue about which day's the Sabbath? No. It's an issue in the fact that those who did recognize the Sabbath were fellowshipping with those who didn't understand the significance of it yet and notice what was happening. What were they doing to each other? Did you read this? Oh, I'm asking you to think tonight. Judging each other. Condemning each other. The issue here is not whether the Sabbath is important or not in Romans chapter 14. The issue is that even with the Sabbath, is that an excuse to judge each other as if they're your servant and not God's? No. Let no one judge another person's servant. To his own master he stands and falls. Each person must be fully convinced in his own what? This is not a, a dissertation on whether the Sabbath is important or whether it's, it's, it's to be disregarded. This is an issue of how we treat each other over things we don't agree on. Do you see what's happening here? Let each person be convinced in their own mind. Don't judge them. It's between them and God. It says, who observes the day, observes it to who? To the Lord. Exodus 20. How do we celebrate this day? If it's so important, how do we celebrate it? Number one, in Exodus 20, we didn't look at this verse last night, so we'll look at it tonight. It says, remember the Sabbath day to do what? Keep it holy. How do we keep it holy? Nope. 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 You cannot work on that day and not keep it holy. How do you keep it holy? Nehemiah 8, what does it mean to keep a day holy? Oh, hear me. If you're not going to celebrate that day, you might as well work on it. Are you hearing me? If you're not going to celebrate the 4th of July, you might as well what? Work on it. If you're not going to celebrate Christmas, you might as well what? What's the only reason why God asked us not to work? 
so we could keep it holy by what? Celebrate. Some of us have really been strict, and I'm speaking to some of you in this room tonight. Some of us have really been strict by not working on the seventh day of the week, thinking that just by not working, we keep that day holy. Notice. Seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall do how much work? No work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or your female servant or your cattle. That's an amazing statement. How much? Your cows? Really, God? Even the animals? Or your sojourner who stays with you? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And he what? Rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it what? Holy. He made that day holy. And what did that mean to them? This is a day to commemorate whatever that day is reminding us of. And what is it reminding us of? That on the seventh day, God said, it is, do you remember from last night? Finished. And so don't work on that day. Keep it holy. Are you hearing me tonight? The only reason why he asks us not to work. And so we'll have time to celebrate him. Some, I've met some people who think this keeping holy is equal with not working. That that's what it means to keep it holy. And for them, they fall into a trap. Did the Jews fall into this trap? See, they thought the Sabbath was all about calorie expenditure. Did they not? You could only walk so far on the Sabbath. Do you remember that? Because you had, because if you did too much work, you weren't keeping it. That's not what it was. It was never about that. All God asks us to do is not expend calories in the direction of earning a livelihood so that we can expend calories in the direction of eating the fat, drinking the sweet, and celebrating what the day commemorates. Are you hearing me? Does celebrating Thanksgiving require some labor? If you're going to celebrate the Sabbath, will it require labor? Yeah, will it require a little caloric expenditure? I'll tell you how much it does. Do my job on the Sabbath. It'll wear you out. And people and the Jews came to him and said, well, Jesus, the priests, they're working on the Sabbath. Isn't that a violation of the Sabbath? Because they thought the Sabbath was only about not doing any work. And Jesus said, have not you heard? The priests violate the Sabbath and are what? Blameless, Jesus said. Why? Because the work they were doing was for the purpose of celebrating the holiness of that day. Were they working? Yes. But what kind of a work was it? Was it just a secular labor? Or it was, it was a work for the purpose of what the Sabbath was intended to perform? Are you hearing me tonight? Oh, that we would begin to understand. And some well-meaning people bring up this verse, Isaiah 58. Herb, I hear you, but it sure sounds like you're having an awful good time on the Sabbath. That's what people have said to me. I catch it from both sides. You know that? I catch it from people who worship on the first day that think I've got the day wrong. 
And I catch it from people that have the right day but have no clue what it means to celebrate it. I mean, I get it from both sides. But no, And this is one of the verses that's used. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a what? Like, See? We're not supposed to have pleasure on God's day. We're supposed to keep it holy. If that's what this means, don't have any pleasure on his holy day, but call the Sabbath a delight. Let me read that again. Don't have any pleasure, but call it a delight. Did you catch that? Don't have any enjoyment, but call it a delight. What would God be asking us to do every seventh day? Lie. That's right. But I want you to see here. It says, call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure. I have defined here from Brown Driver Briggs, Hebrew English lexicon, page 343, reference four. The word here used for pleasure in the Hebrew is defined as that in which one takes what? And then what is the next phrase? His business, one's own what? Business affairs is there pleasure in making money yes is there pleasure in running a successful business when it's really hopping and every day counts is that do you get on an adrenaline or anyone here ever owned a business before does that i mean does i mean do you do you know what i'm talking about here where it's just going real good and it's like man i don't want to take any days off this is this is awesome is there pleasure involved in that yeah if you're a workaholic yeah and that's what was happening in Isaiah's day. People were working and working their people to death. And the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. And the rich didn't want to even let the poor have the Sabbath off anymore. And Isaiah says, listen, if because of the Sabbath you will turn your foot from doing your own, let's define it according to the way the Hebrew does, from your own business affairs on my holy day. And call not your business affairs, but the Sabbath a delight. Do you see what he's saying? The holy day of the Lord honorable. And you honor it, desisting from your own business affairs, from seeking your own business affairs, from speaking about your own business affairs. Then you will take delight in who? Why is that? That if we will pull away from our businesses... And we invest in the Sabbath. Why will we delight in the Lord as a result of that? Yes. Those of you who were here last night. Why did God give us the Sabbath? To show us. That his work for you. Is completed. And all you need to do is what? And if you if you pull away to remember that on a weekly basis and celebrate that, who are you going to start taking delight in? This God who has saved you at such great lengths, are you not? It's cause and effect. It says, and I, and notice this, I will, you don't need to worry about your business. You don't need to worry about how you're going to pay your bills or what you're going to do for a job. I'll make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has what? 
What he's saying is, if you'll pull away for one day, not only will you delight in me, but your business will even thrive as a result of it. Do you believe God's big enough to pull that off? Whether you can see it or not. Some people have asked, well, Herb, why do you do? Why is it from evening to evening? Why is it from Friday night to Saturday night? Because originally that's how it was set up. When God made the first day, go back to Genesis. It was the evening and the morning were the first day. The second day was the evening and the morning were the second day. In Babylon and in Egypt, there came along this system of the day changing at what time? Midnight. But to the Hebrews, when did the day change to the next day? When the sun went down, that was the next day. We can see this from Nehemiah 13. It says, In those days I saw men in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath, bringing in grain and loading, loading it on donkeys. Were they celebrating on that day? No. It says, With wine and grapes and figs and all other kinds of loads, they were bringing them all into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore I warned them against selling food on that day. Let me ask you, why was it wrong to sell, buy and sell back then? Because something about money trips me out. I was at a convention recently with a bunch of people who wanted to keep the Sabbath. They invited me there to speak because I too believe in the Sabbath. They thought we had something in common, so they invited me to come and, and share. Tripped me out. When Sabbath came, they were really afraid about buying and selling, but they were all together and they had to eat lunch. So you know what they did? On Friday, before the Sabbath started, maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but it blew me away. On Sabbath, before the Sabbath started, they went down and they took their money and they exchanged it for these meal vouchers. And then they used the meal vouchers on Sabbath to buy the food. And I thought, man, the angels must be cracking up because we take one piece of paper with ink on it Trade it in for another piece of paper with ink on it. And somehow that makes us feel better. I haven't figured that one out yet. Maybe you can, but that confuses me. The reason they weren't to buy or sell on that day is because it required somebody to what? To work. It was requiring someone else to work so they would not be able to what? Celebrate. It It was denying them of the blessing of the Sabbath. Men from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. He said, I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this wicked thing you're doing? Desecrating the Sabbath day. Didn't your forefathers do the same thing so that God brought all this calamity upon us and upon this city? Why are you stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath? He says, when the evening shadows fell on the gates, when, when? Oh, when the evening came, it says, gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered that the doors might be what? When was the Sabbath beginning? At the evening. I ordered that the doors be shut and not opened until the Sabbath was over. I stationed some of my men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. Once or twice the merchants, I love how it says once or twice. Everyone will do something foolish once or twice, won't they? Once or twice the merchants and sellers of all kinds of goods spent the night outside of Jerusalem thinking the gates are going to be open for him the next morning. It says, but I warned them. And I don't know if this was right or not, but I laugh at what Nehemiah did. He said, I warned them and said, why do you spend the night by the wall? If you do this again, 
I'll lay hands on you. And I don't think he was talking in the spirit of a Pentecostal here. From that time on, they no longer came on the Sabbath. He must have been a big dude. (laughs) Nehemiah. You see, this is what Jesus tried to teach us. Turn to Matthew 12. And let's just read. Let's read some of the things Jesus said tonight. In Matthew 12, it says, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry, and they began to pick heads of grain and eat. The Pharisees saw this, and they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not what? Lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read in the law that the sa- that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are what? If you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. What trap had the Jews fallen into? They thought the Sabbath was just about not expending any calories. And so when they saw the disciples, they'd gotten so bad when they saw the disciples walking through the grain fields, just running their hands across the grain and picking the kernels and eating them. What did they say they were doing? They were threshing wheat, harvesting. You're working. And what did Jesus say? He brought up the story of the priest and said what the law says doesn't even agree with how you're interpreting it. Was he changing the Sabbath here? Was he restoring to them a right understanding of it? Had they become legalistic in it? Oh, last night... There are folks here who some of you might have heard the Sabbath presentation for the first time as far as which 24 hours it falls on. But tonight I pray that the rest of it will be for the others who know about the 24 hours. But sometimes we're unbiblical and all of the millions of laws we write ourselves. About that day. In Mark 2. Jesus said to them. The Sabbath was made for who? And not man for the Sabbath. What does that mean? It's a gift. What's more important to God? You or the Sabbath? And the only reason the Sabbath is important. Is because you're important. Do you understand that? And the Sabbath was given to you for your benefit. We need to hold that balance in mind because Israel was placing the Sabbath above the needs of man. How were they doing this? The Sabbath became more important than their fellow man. Do you understand that? Was it ever to be like that? The fellow men's needs were being neglected because it was what day? The Sabbath. Departing from there, he went into the synagogue and a man there whose hand was withered, that he, they questioned Jesus and asked him, is it lawful to what? Heal on the Sabbath? Why? What did they say healing was? Working. They asked him this so that they might accuse him. And he said to them in Mark 3, this is what it says. This is Mark's version in the brackets. He said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? But they kept what? They kept silent. 
And he said to them, what man is there among you who has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? Can you hear his frustration with how they had misinterpreted what the Sabbath was about? So then he says, so then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him as to how they might what? Oh, hear me tonight. Did they have the right 24 hour period? But did they understand what the Sabbath was really about? And who did it lead them to reject as a result of it? Wow. I hope we all hear that. Keeping the wrong day is not only a rejection of Christ. Keeping it legalistically is also a rejection of Christ. Are you hearing me tonight? There's a balance to it. They went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching. And then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet. Come out of him, throwing him into convulsions. And an unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice. They were all amazed. Immediately, the news about him spread everywhere in the surrounding district. And when evening came, after the sun had set, why were they waiting till then? Because culturally, it was wrong to be healed on that day. Because which day was it? They began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. Was this an abuse of what God intended the Sabbath to be? They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. A, what does it say? A Sabbath day's journey away. Did the Jews even have a length of distance that you could walk and only that far? And if you got that far, you had to just stop there till the sun went down. Are you with me? Luke 13. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and there was a woman who for how long? 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit and she was bent, doubled, and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official, he was indignant because Jesus had healed on which day? And began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which work should be done. So come during them and get healed and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, do not each of you on Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him. And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not be released from this bond on the Sabbath? Can you hear his passion? He said this, all his opponents were being humiliated and the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. Flip over to the very end. John nine fourteen. do you see that there? Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus had made the clay and opened his eyes. In verse 16, it says, therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from who? Because he does not keep the. Did they have the right 24 hour period? But who did they reject because they didn't understand the nature of it? Hear me tonight. Last night, I talked about the 24 hour period. And is that important? Why? Why? 
because of the lessons invested into that day. Did Jesus expect us to be keeping it still today? Are we going to be keeping it in the kingdom? But that's not enough just to know which day it is. Because these people knew which day it was too. And they ended up rejecting Jesus. Not because they were mistaken on which day it was, but because they were mistaken about what the day was all about. I don't know about you, but I want to keep the Sabbath the way Jesus did. Amen. Is there anyone here that wants to do that? I want to keep it on the same day he kept it, but I also want to keep it in the same spirit and manner that he kept it. Isn't that true? He is our example. And what Jesus proves, it's not about calorie expenditure alone. This day is to celebrate God and what he's done. And we covered all of that last night. If this is a first night and you, you missed last night's, go back and get last night's presentation. But tonight is to celebrate what he's done. It's to do good to our fellow man. And if someone's in need in the next 24 hours, don't ignore them and say, well, this is the Sabbath. I can't do. No. Realize the only reason God calls you not to work is so you can celebrate. And to celebrate him. While neglecting your fellow man. Is a contradiction. Isn't it? How is the Sabbath to be kept? Let's close with a psalm. Psalm 92. 1 through 15. Very quickly. It says a psalm. A song for which day of the week? Notice the spirit. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High. Are we to spend the day celebrating God and being thankful and and expressing gratitude to him? O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Who are we focusing on on the Sabbath? God, declaring his loving kindness. Does the Sabbath proclaim how loving kind he truly has been? It says... With a ten-stringed lute and with the harp and with resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, notice the progression. You, Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. Remember what the Sabbath declares? All his works are what? Finished. Come ye, enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the... Do you remember when it says... The foundation of the... Do you remember that from last night? Foundation of the world. We're celebrating His works. We're taking joy in what He has done for us. How great are your works, O Lord, for your thoughts are very deep. You, O Lord, are on high forever. You behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies will perish and all who do iniquity will be scattered. But then notice, He moves past the past. He moves further and He moves into the second stage. You have exalted my horn. Like that of the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. And my eye has looked exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear the evildoers who rise up against me. What is he looking at now? Is he looking at the great works of God in in old? In times of old? What's he looking at now? His personal life and how God has provided for him. Can we do that on the Sabbath? Can we take time to celebrate what God has done for you, not just theologically, but what he's done for you practically every day of your life? Is that worth celebrating this day? But then it doesn't even stop there. Look, it says the righteous man will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon 
planted in the house of the Lord. And that word planted doesn't mean from a seedling. It means it was in one house, in the house of the enemy. And he very graciously and carefully dug it up. And if you're in agricultural, this will mean something to you. He transplanted this tree into the house of his God. Does that sound like what God's done for us? It says, in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. To declare the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. He moves from what what God has done for all to what God has done for him. And then he goes from what God has done for him toward what God will do. What he's assured of that God will do for him. And this whole song singing about God's works and all that he has done. This was a song that was written for which day of the week? The Sabbath. This is all I'm going to share with you on the Sabbath in this series. I won't bring it up again. But I bring it up these two nights because I believe with all my heart. Is the gospel being restored today among his people? Are people understanding the gospel? Are they? More clearly than they ever have before since the days of the apostles. And along with that restoration comes the restoration of the great sign of the gospel. And what did we learn last night that was? The Sabbath. It points to the gospel. It illustrates us of the go- illustrates to us the gospel. And it reminds us every week of the gospel. I don't know about you, but if you were to ask my kids, what does Sabbath mean to you? Do you know what they would say? They'd say, man, that's my favorite day of the week. We do this on Friday night. We do this on Sabbath. And sometimes we even get presents. That's what they'll say. I've heard them answer when people have asked. Do you think that's the way God initially meant it to be? Are they worried about what they can and can't do? That's a Jewish way of keeping. I'm sorry, not Jewish. That's a. It's a way of keeping the Sabbath that the Jews were involved in in the time that Jesus Christ came. Is that the most politically correct way I could say it? When Jesus was here. Jesus wants us to understand This is a day to remember all the things he's done for you. Don't forget what he's done for you. He has poured out all heaven for you. He has risked even his own existence for you. And all he asks you to do on this day is to cease from your labors and celebrate. Remember those things. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Have a great festival in honor of the goodness and kindness of our God. Is not God himself worth celebrating? Let's pray. Precious Father, thank you for your goodness tonight. As we close this part of the session and we close this section on on the Sabbath. Lord, this is in our section on spiritual fulfillment. And Lord, you meant the Sabbath to be an integral part of our relationship with you and the fulfillment we experience with you. And so, Lord, help us to see it as the Sabbath truly is. Help us to see you as you truly are. And may that truly bring radical change to our entire life. In your precious name we pray all this. Amen. All right.
refreshments, cookies, whatever else they got out there. We'll be back in 15 minutes, all right? And I'm going to let you out early tonight. How does that sound? All right, so go enjoy your, your refreshments, and then we'll come back. 15 minutes from now, we're going to begin, 25 after.